Hello again. It's good to see you. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to let you guys know, I hope you guys came in with expectation this morning, because expectation is absolutely everything. Um, so also, I'm here to introduce our speaker this morning, and he is officially our new senior associate pastor to Pastor Nathan. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. So if you would, this is Pastor Cass. Good morning, good morning. Well, if you haven't had your coffee yet, hold on, because I've had two. <laughs> and the second one with the two shots just kicked in. Amen. Woo. So if I get to reading too fast, just hold up your hand and say, slow down a little bit. Amen. It is so awesome to be here with you this morning. And uh, I know you all miss um, Pastor Nathan as he and his wife are where we'd all uh, love to be. So Next year, we just need to say, take the church with you, right? So we can go to Sandals as well. Amen? Amen. They, are, they are in a place that a lot of people would call paradise, right? Amen. But I'm so, it's such an honor just to be here with you this morning and to know that, that in two more weeks, um, there won't be very many open chairs there and as release free becomes thrive. Amen. And so, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, Overwhelming to think about. Two, two churches becoming one in, in such a way that uh, the, the relationship that I've formed with your pastor the last few years, working together with Love Thy Neighbor, and, and to see how our visions just went together, and, and he would say something. I was like, man, I, 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 that's where we want to get. That's what we want to do. And, and finally, I guess he got tired of me hearing that and, <laughs> or saying that. And, and said, hey, well, why don't, the Lord's been showing me this, and, and, and I was like, you know what, me too, and so um, it's going to be great, it's going to be awesome to, to meet, to grow, you know, with you all, and see the effect that the light, the, the Word of God has on Athens and Henderson County through us all together, amen? Wow, I just, whew. let us pray, <laughs> got to get this together, ooh, Father God, we love you. We thank you for being such a good and loving God. And Father, this morning, I just pray that your presence flows through this place. Father God, that each word that I speak will come straight from your throne. Father God, into the ears. Father God, let the church hear what you would have to say to us this morning. Father God, let your will be done. Work through us, flow through us, and let us experience your love like never before. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. You know, every year, um, Pastor Nathan kind of mentioned this last time as um, I thought, man, we're going to get along great. He introduces me as us coming together and, and, and gives me a fat joke, right? <laughs> so it talks about the experience of us being on a log ride, me and uh, Pastor Nate, which that's going to be real confusing for you guys when he uh, uh, comes along as well. He's Pastor Nate at Release Free. He's the worship leader. And so, of course, Pastor Nathan's a senior pastor here if, if you're new or visiting but every year we go on vacation, and when, I, when we first started going, we just fell in love with it, because our very first time that I went to Florida, I mean, the very first time I went to Florida was on our honeymoon. My wife and I, we flew into Orlando, we stayed there a few days, then we went down to the Bahamas, and then we came back to uh, Orlando, and, and 
we stayed there and went to some parks and just had a had a great time on our on our honeymoon and since that i just had a desire to always go back and so finally we just made it a, a tradition if you will that every year we we take off and we go down there for you know a few weeks and and at first i would be like man this is paradise this is where i want to be understanding that the lord developed that is you know paradise isn't someplace that you go paradise is within you and when the, the and i kind of always knew that you know as far as you know understanding the holy spirit dwells within you his love dwells within you and if you can even think about that 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 the most powerful the only true living god in the universe puts his spirit within you you know he says that of course we got the trinity the father son and the holy spirit the three are one and and jesus prayed and said, Father, may they, may they be one with me as I am one with you. Think about that. That in his reality, in his truth, in his spot in heaven, you are already seated at the right hand of God with Christ. That the work is finished and you are sitting there with him in heaven. And yet we're here on earth. And that Holy Spirit is that connection that, that and when, we, when we really tap into it, like the words this morning you know here and now that lives are changed that that bodies are healed that you know love is felt right here right now chains are broken that you are set free to thrive that you are just experience that freedom that that holy spirit brings because when that's there you realize that it's not about where you're at it's about who is within you that paradise heaven himself love himself dwells within you and for the fast i don't know four five six years maybe longer than that uh, that we go to florida the lord and it's only a few times a year that the lord um gives me a poem you know i i think you know, i'm kind of nerdy sometimes anyway and so as it's given it to me it's it's kind of neat but i want to share with you the uh the one he gave me this year while we was in Florida perfect scenery all around sunshine palm trees only green to be found paradise for all to see but I have paradise within me not here to get away but it is a place that I want to stay beautiful resort amenities of every sort paradise for all to see but I have paradise within me it's always here even when I'm there, but with so many, I share. In Florida, with thousands all around, but for, for some, there is no peace to be found. Paradise for all to see, but I have paradise within me. Up high on a ride, <laughs> or low in ocean's tide. Napping on the beach, mm, poolside, sweet treats. Summer beats, summer heat. And sand on my feet, there's one that I want to meet. The maker of paradise that all can see, and the giver of the paradise whew, within me. Here and there, or there, paradise to see, but I have paradise within me. This paradise, it's undescribable. It's, it's uncontainable. I mean, it, it, 
It's the power of heaven within you. And it's motivating you. No, love is the greatest motivator. That it motivates you to live a life in freedom, to live a life that, that is above sin. Because, you know, whether you know it or not, sin might feel good for a moment. But it just entraps you, it ensnares you, it holds you down. It prevents you from living out your God-given potential. And what that God-given potential is, God wants to use you to the fullest so you can glorify him and bring light to this dark world. And in doing so, it's not like a slave, like, oh, I'm going to job, right? It's not, you're not singing the seven words song, you know, I owe, I owe. So it's off the work I go. Okay, that's not how it goes, right? But, but it's not that. You're not working because you have to. You're doing because you want to. Because the love that has been shown to you, the love that has been put inside you, you have the freedom to be able to express in worship. And I love to worship. Sometimes I get carried away and I'm, you know, I don't want to apologize to the, to the worship leader and I'll just be going and feeling just, woo, you know, in the middle of nowhere, everybody's singing. They're like, what's this guy screaming over here for, right? That it just excites me so much. Right? When, when I worship, and maybe this, you can just get there, you know, today with that. When I worship, it feels like date night. Right? If, it, I mean, it just, that experience of the, the, when I first got saved, it just, it's, it becomes, it sets on fire. It just consumes me. It, you know, it overtakes me in that. Because, you know, really, you know, you know I, I don't know if anybody's ever been addicted to something. But if you've been addicted to drugs, they say that you always chase that first high. That when you first experience it, it takes you so high that you always try to achieve that again, and yet you never do. Right? Whether it's alcohol, drugs, you know, whatever. But we're kind of like that in our relationships and our love for one another. I told the, the first service, and I'll, I'll tell it again, I guess, that when I first met my wife, that's how I was. You know, I wasn't saved at the time, and, and it, but when I saw her, I knew. I, I, I hadn't talked to her yet, but there's just something that I knew I loved her. I was outside and breaking all the safety regulations of professional motors. You'll never see them do this. You know, walking, you know, in your sandals, you know, no socks, no shoes, just, just sandals and shorts and no shirt. Right? One of those guys. And, you know, getting the, the sun and smelling the cut grass, just having fun. And my neighbor, who, uh, since I, because it's my first house, my first home I'd bought, and my neighbor kept telling me, uh, her name was Lori, my wife's sister, kept saying, you need to meet my sister. And it's nothing against Lori, right? Nothing against her, you know. Um, but you know how uh, you're just different attractions and different things. And I'm like, no, that's all right. I'm good. You know, I'm a single guy. And, and, and yeah, I'm good. And she kept, I mean, she'd always, you need to meet my sister. You need to meet my sister. Well, finally, I'm out there mowing. And, and out comes this group of people from a house, you know, because I've been smelling the barbecue. And I'm like, ah. Oh. I know I'm going to get invited, right? So they all, they come out, and my, uh, Lori says, I want you to meet my mom and my dad and my brother and, and my sister. And, I mean, this, this group of people. And, and Lynette, uh, my wife at the time, was standing there very back, and she was being shy. And all I saw was a little blonde, you know, head bobbing up and down. And I just got a, I couldn't really see her, right? But I was anxious to. And I was, like, trying to meet this, this girl that, 
My neighbor kept telling me I need to meet, and she wasn't coming up to meet me. Everybody else was, right? And, I was like, and finally they said, oh, okay, see you later. And they t- went back, and they didn't invite me to the barbecue, <laughs> right? Fail. <laughs> Man, I was trying to impress, and I, it didn't work, right? And they go back there, and I finished mowing, and all I could think about was this blonde head that I saw bopping. And, you know, as she walked away, I, I saw, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I... I want to meet her. <laughs> and so after she left, I you know, saw the neighbor the next day, and I said, you're right. I so need to meet your sister, right? So she gave me her, her number, and I started calling her, and she lived in Dallas, and I lived in Kansas. And so every four days, I got off for four days. And so I would come up here and stay a couple days and go back, and we dated back and forth. And it was the amazing thing is that I knew I loved her, but I had to convince her. I told her, I said, I'm going to make you love me. She's like, okay. I'm like, not the response I was going for. All right? I was like, oh, I love you too. I'm like, yeah, no. Right? I'm like, you know, I wasn't saved. But I was in a sense praying like, man, what do I got to do to make her love me? It consumed me. Everything that I had, I, I, I focused on trying to make her love me. I would send her gifts, I'd buy things for her, I'd fly down, I'd fly her down to meet her parents, and man, I met her parents, and oh, I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta marry this girl, because her mom, you know, they're big, far- they're farmers in, in Kansas, and uh, I don't know if you've ever went to a farmer's house, but you sat down for a meal, and it's like a seven-course meal every single time. I would eat, you know, dessert that I thought was dessert, and then she would say, oh, you ready for dessert? And I'm like, oh thought I just ate it, <laughs> right? They bring it out like, yes, I love this family, right? And I wanted, you know, everything just, just to convince her to, to love me. And so the relationship went on, and I thought, I'm going to do it. And got her a ring, and, and we went to Colorado Springs, and we hiked up uh, Pikes Peak, and, and we did all these great things. We went to Cave of the Winds, right? And uh, I'll continue more on that in a second, but and I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. And I was so happy. I was just like, yes, right? And then we get, get back, and she calls her mom and says, Mom, you know, Cass brought me to Colorado Springs, and you won't believe what happened. And she's like, were you in an accident? <laughs> and she said, no, Mom, I'm so happy. Cass asked me to marry him. And there was silence. And then the mom goes, are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, Pfft. <laughs> you're right shot to the heart and you're to blame right <laughs> you give love a bad okay I, I go corny with songs sometimes you know I'm like oh man you know the mom don't even like me yet and she didn't for a while and she had all reason not to trust me the lifestyle I was living the person I love it was truly a God thing that I was able to convince my wife Lynette to love me and uh, you know so you know we get married and go but that that experience of that first love I think that's why when we go to paradise, when we go on vacation, I love it so much. I, I leave my phone. I don't, you know, I don't want to be distracted by business and church. And I, I leave that all in, in hands. And now I'm coming here to, to help Pastor Harrington. And, and so it's just going to be great. But, you know, it's a time where my wife and I and now my boys, you know, for over 14 years or whatever it's been, a long time, uh, that we've been going to Florida every year, that it's just, it's an intimate it's an intimate time where 
where memories are formed, where, where the relationship goes beyond the, the flesh, that goes beyond you know, the, the, the feelings you get of the puppy love, if you will, of when you first get into a relationship, the, you know, when you first get in, everything's like, yeah, right? And then a few later, years later, there's that expression that says, well, the honeymoon's over. Well, I know what everybody says, but it doesn't have to be. What I mean by that is it, it's going to change, of course, because it, the newness of it kind of, I hate to say wears off, because if anybody likes cars like I do, if I see a 1969 convertible Camaro, man, give it to me. It's old. It's not new anymore. I want it. Okay? That, that the newness of the love should deepen into a type of relationship that is more powerful. It is more consuming than it ever was at the love at first sight, at the, at the puppy love, at the, at the beginning of the love stage. Right, because when we understand that, that it deepens and it becomes, it becomes more powerful, it becomes more passionate, it, everything becomes more and better, right, or more better, right? You you get it, right? It, it should become more because it, it's not just the ooh, it's the let's pray together, let's worship together, let's serve God together. Let's pour everything that we are, what God has given us, into our kids. Let, let, let us see by doing that the miracles that can happen within them, how God can use them to influence others, to lead people to the throne, to bring about the light into the darkness. You know, we live in a dark world. You see it on the news, things changing all the time and all that, but what you want to focus on is that the world is only allowed to be dark because the light's not shining. Because, see, darkness is a, is a fallacy. It's, it's false. It's, it's a defeated foe. That there's no such thing. Science will tell you there's no such thing as, as darkness. There's only darkness if there's an absence of light. And we are called to be the light of the world because the light of the world now dwells within us. And so when we know that, that you know, and, and, and let that relationship with him deepen, then we will never forget our first love. Let's start off in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your labor and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test, and they are not, and you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance or, and have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. But I have this against you, <laughs> that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am going to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But you have this, 
that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Seven verses here. says that you have left. Okay, let's go back to verse 1 in Revelation 2. Back to verse 1. There we go. To the angel, which is the pastor, the overseer, of the church of Ephesus, write, these things who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So the see there, first, to the angel, the pastor, the overseer. And you can look at this two ways. As like Pastor Nathan is the, the pastor and the overseer here that the, the Spirit of God is teaching him to, to deliver the message to the church. Or it's the angel that's coming down speaking to the overseer, okay, for him to, to give this message. These sayings, he holds the seven stars. Seven stars. The pastors, the overseers, in his right hand. And if we picture that, being in his right hand, who walks in the midst, the center of the seven golden lampstands. So Jesus, the lampstands are the churches and Jesus walking amongst them. The light, okay, the menorah, you know what's so neat about the menorah, it comes up and it goes out and there's, there's seven candles you know, on it that you light and and Jesus walking in the middle of that, those seven candles represent the, the seven churches. But what's neat about that, when you look at the menorah and go back how they originally made, they took this, if you can picture the lampstand, I should have had a picture for you. Okay, it has a base and it comes up and then it goes out where you'd put the seven candles, right? That is made out of one solid piece of gold. So they, they take one solid piece of gold and they, 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 they soften it, they melt it down a little bit and they form it and everything, you know, and they cut off what they don't need. And when they're done, there's this menorah made and it weighs, okay, the amount of weight is approximate to what it would cost to buy one slave for life. You can see the whole message of salvation right there in the, in the menorah. Gold representing priceless, pure, holy. And it represents your life. And Jesus walking right in the midst of it. The church, the body of Christ. That Jesus is in the middle of that body of Christ. In the middle of that church. is in the middle of you. And the price that he paid was full price. You wasn't on sale. He bought you for the full price that, you know, for life. He paid the price for you. And that's what we see here. A, a version, a picture of his love, how much he loves us and what he was willing to pay. Top dollar. I mean, what's gold going for? Like $13 an ounce right now? Okay, so if you take, take a menorah that, I mean, I'm like, hey. <laughs> when I was 312 pounds, I was worth a lot of money. Right? He paid that for you. He paid that for you. Now he's walking in the mist, speaking to the pastor to give the word, and you can read his word and get it, and it's all centered for you. Because when we talk about it, it says you have, let's go on to, uh, to verse 2 there. I know your works, your labor, and their patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. 
and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Man, he's, he's like, yeah, right? God giving you a compliment, right? He's giving this church of Ephesus here. He, he's building them up. Let's go to verse 3. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored on my, for, my name's sake, for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, pay attention right there. You know it says left. It doesn't say lost. You have left your first love. Now, you haven't lost your first love, but you have willingly left. And when that happens, and I've seen this in natural relationships where people would say, well, you know, it's, you know what, you don't love me anymore? You're, no, it's not that I don't love you. You just don't excite me anymore. Right? And this is what is happening here in the church of Ephesus. Right? I know you love me, Lord, and you know what? I love you too, but you just don't excite me like you used to. Ooh. I wonder if we can tell that maybe in our worship sometimes. When we come to church, because this is just what we do. My wife, you know, here recently has been talking to some different people and said, you know what? Church is just what we did. We, did, we just knew on Wednesday we was going to church, and we knew on Sunday morning we was going to church no matter what. You, even on vacation, we're going to church. They just, he, they just knew harvest time, right, where you got to beat the rain, you got you to beat the heat, you got to get the harvest in before it's too ripe, right, because it starts to, to go bad and lose its weight and moisture, and, you know, depending on what you're harvesting and stuff. But there, there's timing in harvest. But if you're in the middle of harvest and it's church time, <laughs> You're shutting the combine down. You're shutting the tractor down. Okay, you're going to church, and then you're coming back, starting that all back up and working, you know, until night with the lights on and everything else, and they're bringing this feast out to you to eat. It was just a, it was just a thing that we can get so caught up in routine of, well, this is, this is what we do on Sunday, right? Because all my friends go there, and I don't want them to call me up and say, hey, you went to church today. Hey, you want to know? Let me tell you the story. This is awesome. All right. My, my, my wife's dad, Howard, is his name. He is like, uh, and, and the church people here, you know, that work here might, might know, if, the, if, if one day you were come to church and Pastor Harrington just didn't show up, right? You'd be like, whoa, what, what's going on? It, you know, things just wouldn't happen the right, you know, I mean, if I wasn't here and he wasn't there and there was nobody to step in, right? You'd be like, hey, how are we going to have church, right? <laughs> Her dad, uh, well, they, they built this new addition onto their house and included a master bath where it has the heated tiles, right? And so you could set whatever temperature on the tiles so you never step out of the shower on a cold floor and you just walk in there and just feel so, so comfort. Well, he got in there. He was consumed by this warmth. He goes, yeah, you know, and he, so he just laid down on the floor, right? And he went to sleep. And this was, this was Sunday morning, and he, as he was getting ready for church, and he just laid there. It was so comfortable, so warm, and, he, you know, he went, he went to sleep. Well, church time came, and he wasn't at church. So they called. No answer, right? He didn't take his phone in the shower, you know, into the bathroom with him, and no answer. So they kept calling and calling and calling. And finally, huh? So they, they called him, uh, my wife's sister and said, you know, hey, is everything okay with your dad? Is he out of town? Where is he? And, and she's like, no, he, he's not at church. 
No, he's not here. Oh, man. And so then Lori calls Lynette, and Lynette texts back and said, no, you know, I haven't heard anything. So she's trying to call and everything else. They did a wellness check, the church. They, the, before church started, they called the sheriff and had the sheriff go out to the house and said, check on Howard because he's not at church. Right? It was such a thing for years upon years and upon years, you know, and, and his dad and his dad and, and his parents, just yeah, it was just, if Howard's not there, something's wrong. And so the sheriff goes out there and, and beats on the door, and finally he wakes up, and, and he gets up, and he goes to the door, you know, I, I think he put a towel on or something, he didn't say, he just, but he went to the door, and he, he, you know, answered it, and there's the sheriff, and he's like, is you okay? And he's like, yeah, I was just sleeping on the floor. Right? And, well, the church is looking for you. And he's like, church? Oh! Right? So he charges and gets there, and then they could have church when Howard showed up. He's not a pastor. He's not a staff person. He's, but he's somehow the only person who knows how to turn on the sound. <laughs> you guys are important back there, let me tell you. Amen. You guys are the best. Yes. Amen. Yes. <laughs> he does that, you know, just for free. And and but when I heard that story, it was, it was funny because at first we was all, you know, you know how the flesh does, that you think the worst right away. Right? And so I'm thinking of, okay, what can we do now? Have you called this person, you know, to, you know, to wonder where he's at? How great it must be to be missed and loved like that. That they'll go to the extreme of extremes and send the authorities out there to find out where you're at when you miss church. That's an expression of love. If I don't come home, my wife would do the same thing. Right? Where's your dad? Don't know. Where's it? Don't know. Right? And you wait a while until legally it's 48 hours, but he's still, you're like, hey, I don't know. He, he's such, such routine. He, he's always home. He, right? I look forward to getting to know each and every one of you, and, and maybe I'll get your phone number, you know, and, and that when you don't show up, because I'll be so used to seeing you here, and you'll be so used to sharing your donuts with me out front, right? That it'll just become an oddity. For us not to see one another on Sunday. Because it's a place that we can come together and we can, we can get encouraged. We can, we can get charged up. We can love one another. We can show our gifts and use our gifts and pray for one another and encourage one another and say, you know what? You're going to make it. You're going to go back out into this world that wants to devour you. But listen, when it gets tough, call me. Right? That's what we're here for. That's how the body functions is to help and to encourage one another and strengthen them. So when we go out... That people just driving by will see a light. And they'll be like, I wonder what that is. I didn't share this first service, but there was one time, it was a long time ago, that I went up to make a hospital visit um, to someone who is um, in the hospital, duh, right? And so I go in there and I, I, I pray. And then as I walk out, you know, I just make it a habit since I'm there. You know, if the door's open and it doesn't have a sign that says stay out, right? Then I say, hey, can I, can I pray with you? And Almost all the time, they say yes. And I remember one time, uh, I was this, and, and I'd go in one and, and then go out, and, right? and finally this lady comes over and says, stop. And I'm like, what? And she goes, 
you just kept disappearing. She goes, I, it was the weirdest thing. She goes, I'd be looking, I'd see this light that would, that would go, and I'd look, and I, I couldn't see anybody. And, and, but the Lord said that there's someone here to pray, and, and finally I caught up with the light, and she goes, and it's you. Right? And it's, it's weird because you're like, are you crazy? Right? <laughs> and she says, can you come pray? And I said, sure. And so she led me, you know, down the hall, and we went into this room, and, and there was this boy that was laying there, just so many tubes and everything. You know, it, it, was, just a, it was just a sight. And they said, will you pray for my son? They said, if you don't have a new heart, by morning, I think it was morning, it's been a long time ago, it was either morning, next, or in a short amount of time. If he doesn't get a new heart, and he's on a list, but he's so far down the list, and everything, if you don't get a new heart, that... That he's going to pass. It's like, no pressure. Right? It's like, hold on. <laughs> right? Let me go call my pastor <laughs> so I can have him come. So, you know, you don't know what to do at that point. You, there's family members all around. The mother's begging, you know, just, just for you to what she saw. She just, just bring a little light into the dark. Just, just come in here, bring a little hope. And you don't know how to pray, you know, perfectly in that, you know, that that situation and so we all you know grabbed hands and I just you know started praying and and I was crying because they was crying and and you know I, I this guy can't do anything for a heart problem but the one who loves me and the one who loves you and the one who loves that kid and the one who loves that parents and the family member can we got done praying, and they all said thank you and everything else. You know, and I left. And about a week and a half later, we got a card at the church that said, I had to track your information down, find you, talk to the hospital and everything else, but I just want you to know that after you left, things started moving and, and changing. And my boy walked out of that hospital that next morning, not with a new heart, his old heart renewed within him, healed, walked out because love showed up and love dwelled within him and love healed him. That your body can be healed, your spirit can be healed, your spirit changed from death to life, from old to new. It's just not making bad good. It's taking you from death to life and all I did was do what he called us to do share what he has given you with others see that brings change or see here in Ephesus as we're reading here they said you have you have left your first love you haven't lost your salvation you haven't lost God right now I love that expression oh I found God <laughs> was he lost right no he he came and revealed himself to you and he'd been trying to do that from from the moment that you was conceived, he was calling you by name. He was saying, I love you. And he wanted you to come to repentance. He wanted you to come to the knowledge of him. And all repentance is, is that, that word metanoia. And I think I give a slide, but metanoia, that means to change your mind concerning God. So in other words, instead of doing something your way, instead of maybe struggling with sin in this way, you, you metanoia. You change your mind and think, you know what? This hasn't been get bearing any fruit here. I'm going to change my mind and do it God's way and see what happens. This is what we are called to do. And, and here in Ephesus, they were, they were struggling with that. Now, this is a great church. Paul stayed there for over three years ministering. Paul, while he was there, started mentoring Timothy. And you know what Timothy, 
you know, I mean, he got his own book, so he must have been pretty good, right? And so he was there. Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos were there, the people that worked hand by hand, side by side with Paul. He had great money. The uh, Apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, worked there, lived there for a short time, ministered there. They had powerful men of God, powerful witnesses of God in this town, uh, the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus was awesome, right? Ephesus was so big and so rich that other countries and other kings were bringing their money there and deposit into the bank that was protected by their false god, Diana. And every time I say that word Diana, I think of Wonder Woman, Right? But that's not what it's talking about, okay? That this, this, it was so big, so rich, that the temple of Diana, okay, had, had like 167 pillars or whatever it was, and it was always over 60 foot high. It was known as the fifth wonder of the world at the time. It was so big, so massive, so rich. And they worshiped this false god of fertility, Okay? So much so that, that they would build an, they would build an, and I want you to see the, if it offends somebody, I'm sorry, but I want you to see the, the depravity of worshiping a false god. They built a temple, okay, and then they would have an altar built, and they would perform sexual acts on this altar for everybody else in public that walked by the temple just to watch and see. You think it's bad that you can find it on your phone and when nobody's watching. I'm sorry, okay? Right? That, that, that it's so easily exposed to, or you're watching movies, and, and it's crazy what's on TV now, right? I remember, you know, when I was young, and my parents talking about it, that, that this Legs commercial for, for pantyhose, if you, I don't even know if they're still a thing now, right? It had a mannequin's leg with pantyhose on it, and not just the leg, not even the whole body, just the leg, and it go dink, dink. Right? It would move. Right? When that first came out, they took it off because everybody would say, oh, you're showing pornography on TV. Now it's way past that and acceptable. Maybe we're starting to look like Ephesus here, just, just a little bit. But that's how big and prosperous this God was. And yet Paul was there. Okay, and, and, and John and, and Timothy and had a great influence, and they would teach the church. And what was happening is the church would get the word, the church would get preached to the church, and they would go out, and instead of being the light, they would cover their light and start going and doing things that the world was doing. And listen, I know that's tempting, and I know that that brings some pleasure, temporary happiness, but it'll only be fulfilling for a little bit. And I know you've probably heard it, that sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you, you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. But, but you willingly go into that. And yet God is over here saying, man, I love you. Come over here. Because he pays more <laughs> than you can ever imagine. And he wants to keep you for eternity. And he wants that love to deepen in such a way that you never regret it. Light and darkness. Let's go to verse 4. Back in Revelation 2. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left, not lost, your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. What? Oh, there you go. I like this. Where you have fallen. 
when we think about it, you think, what do you mean? Does that mean like when you're, when you're walking and you stumble and you hear this, oh, I fell into sin. Mm. <laughs> Trust me, sin doesn't, you know, you're just walking in a, in a holy, righteous life, just walking along, sin don't go, oh, and trip you. Right? No. It's something you've already thought about. It's something that, that you planned on doing, but maybe resisted. You had enough willpower. You think about it, no, I'm not going to do it. And then you think about it, no, I'm going to do it. And then once desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Death of dreams, death of marriages, death of hope, death of jobs, death of, of your, what you think is your future. That's what sin, sin will do. So remember from where you have fallen, you know, after you, you're caught up in your sin, and maybe there's a consequence from, from authorities, and maybe a consequence from, from your boss, maybe a consequence from your wife, maybe a consequence from your teachers, whatever, that when you get caught, right, and you fall down, and you're down there in the pit, it says, remember. Makes me think of Mufasa. Anybody seen the Lion King movie? Right, it's one of my favorites. Right, that, and he's talking to Simba, and he's, and well, you're not talking to Simba, but uh, it's already been left. And the monkey Rafiki, right, says says look in the water, and he's looking down, and he says I just see me. And he taps the water. He says look again, and he looks down, and he sees the reflection of his father. See, he and he's looking and sees a reflection of his father. And then the clouds come and from the heavens he heard, remember who you are. That if we can remember that in the midst of that. See, we fall from grace down into law. And that's what it's saying. And if you remember the Ark of the Covenant, that inside of the Ark of the Covenant were three things. The tablets that have the Ten Commandments, the manna, the bread, okay, and Aaron's rod that budded. The Ten Commandments, because we rejected God's laws, are as humans, as, as flesh, has fallen into ten, ten simple laws. One, we couldn't resist at the garden, okay, it got broke. Ten, ten laws. Nobody can keep ten laws. Rejection of God's laws in there. The manna, the bread of heaven, Jesus, God's provision. Aaron's rod that budded, God's leadership. Man rejected commandments, God's law, God's provision, and God's authority. All three of those things that they represented was put inside the Ark of the Covenant, and the lid was put on, and that lid is called the mercy seat, the grace seat of Christ. It's called mercy seat. Has said, has said in Hebrew, translated over, means grace, the grace seat of Christ. And that the lid that's put on top of there with the angels, the, the high priest to come in and sprinkle the blood on the, on the top of this mercy seat, on the top of grace seat to cover all sins that lead to breaking the Ten Commandments. Think of a sin that doesn't fall into there. You can't. That leads to, to God's provision, rejection of his provision, Jesus, cover. Rejection of leadership, authority, you know, those who have been placed over you, whether it's at a church or a mentor, that someone tries to, to, to give you advice and in the midst of your sin, someone comes to you and says, man, we, I want to pray for you to help you to get delivered from this. Oh, man, mind your own business. When you meet my worship pastor that, that will be coming here, uh, um, we call him Pastor, pastor Nate, right? His name's Nathan, too, but... He goes by Nate. Uh, when I first met him, he was the thorn in my side. I mean, just I'm like, Lord, I don't even like being friends with him. 
And I, I don't know why I'm friends with him, right? He doesn't treat me good, <laughs> right? But he needs something. He calls me, and the Lord just gave me a love for this man. You know, and it was, it was, a, it was a tough love. And we developed a friendship, and we kept going, and I would be driving, and I, I mean, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but all the time, I would be driving, and I'd see him come out of the liquor store. And I would drive, and I'd see him. I love cell phones. <laughs> He'd answer, hello? i say, hey, Nate, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. I just saw you coming out of the liquor store. Mind your own business, man. Right? But every time I'd see him, I don't know if it's every time, but I'd see him a lot coming out, and I would call him. And finally, he'd be like, man, mind your own words. Why do you call me every time? I said, well, I just call you because I want you to know I love you. And I know what you're doing, but I love you. And if I love you, you know God still loves you. And just that expression of what he already knew inside, what he already experienced, he knew God loved him. But how easy we can shut that off. But when someone comes and reminds us and helps us, it brought him to a point of, he was a year or two in, leading worship. I knew he was struggling with alcoholism. I knew he was struggling with it. He was supposed to be at work on a Saturday helping me with bounce houses. So I, actually it was a Friday. So I, uh, no, it was Saturday morning. Anyway, I went over to his house, knock on him, because normally he's right there all the time. I knock on his door. I'm telling on him so you can get him when he gets here, right? Then I'm knocking on his door, and no answer. Kind of like her dad's story. Getting a little worried. What's going on? I see extra cars in front of his house, right? And I, and I know his wife is out of town. And there's extra cars now. I'm beating on this door. And no one, I'm like, oh, I'm calling. He's not answering. So I take a few steps back. I'm like, all right. I mean, this door's going down, right? Because the man I love, my brother, is inside there, and something is wrong. I have suspicions. And man, I, I mean, I'm getting right, right? And all of a sudden, this door opens up, and this other guy that you'll meet <laughs> that today is there leading worship uh, uh, with, with Nate at Release Free opens the door, and his name's Roy. So next time when you're sitting, you say, is your name Roy? Ha oh, I know what you, here, open up, he's, what do you want? And I said, where's Nate? And he's standing, I mean, he's blocking my way, holding the door. He says, he's in here. I just said, I said, you better move. So he's like, <laughs> right? I walk in, and there's like three or four other guys, and here comes Nate coming out, and I could just smell alcoholism. I just looked at him. Didn't have to say anything. Just looked at him and walked out. It makes me think of the moment after Peter denied Jesus. The third time it says that Jesus and Peter's eyes met. And everything that Jesus had talked to Peter, you know, just all of a sudden just came to his remembrance. He thought, oh my goodness, I just did what he told me I was already going to do. And as I'm leaving and and uh, my dad was there to help me too, and we left to go. I just texted him and said, Listen, do you need to meet me at the church? And so I called all the leadership, and, and he comes into the church thinking he's going to just say, I quit. He walked in, and 
I didn't share this first. I'm going all off my notes. I'm sorry. He walks in and, and I, we sat down and we're just all sitting around. I said, well, let's pray. And I pray. And, and as soon as I'm done praying, Nate just goes, well, let's get this over with. I said, well, I just want you to know I love you. And I know what you've been struggling with. And I know the, the pain that causes you to drink that, to drink that much. But I want to, and I just turned it over to the other guys that were there because I could hardly, I'm a big baby, hardly speak. And they all expressed their love for him and how, how much Jesus loved him. And five years ago, last month, was the last time he ever took a drink of any type of alcohol. He even smells it. It makes his stomach turn. He got delivered that night. <laughs> he got delivered that night just for one thing, that I reminded him of his first love. And see, so many times, and I, and I hope you can see this, and we're going to 18 minutes, 17. You know, 17 is the number of victory. 17 minutes to finish. I got a lot. First, first one, I went through shortness, and I'm going to go too long. <laughs> when we talk about our first love, we get it so confused. We didn't love God first. Our first love is Him loving us first. While we are yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And he knew what you was going to struggle with. He knew the sins that you were going to commit. He knew everything that you was going to do. He already knew that. Nothing that you have ever done or going to do will ever surprise God. And he died for you. He loved you enough. The nails didn't keep him on the cross. His love for you did. The grave didn't hold him. His love kept him down so he could finish his work. The stone didn't stop him from coming. His love says, not yet. I told him three days. I'm going to wait three days. And on the three days that he left, and when he left, he only left one sign. And it's neat. It says that they found the burial clothes folded. And I don't know. I shared this with my sons a few weeks ago at a restaurant that the mom, uh, the mom, <laughs> the mom. <laughs> my wife got up to, to go to the restroom, right? And, and uh, she takes her napkin, she folds it, and she's letting it leave. And I said, do you know why she did that? I said, if a person gets up from the table and they just throw the napkin on top of the plate, that means they're finished. But if they fold it and set it, that means my work's not finished. My meal's not finished. I'm going to come back and finish when Jesus rose from the dead and he walked out the grave, he folded his burial clothes and left it there saying, I'm not through yet. I'm coming back. And I'm coming back because when I am through and I'm ready to come get my body, come get my church, come to get those love that I love first. See, our first love isn't who we love first. Our first love is him loving us first. When we get that right here, this is what's happened. If you're ineffective as a church, as, as a body, that's because we have left our first love. If we're ineffective in our marriage and it starts to go, we have left our first love. Not here, here. See, if you picture God up here and, and you here and your spouse here and you start going closer to God, guess what happens? You naturally grow closer to each other. So if you feel like you're here and you're going this way, you're not going to fix it, God, by fixing this relationship here. The way you're going to fix it is start drawing closer to God. And as you do, you're going to draw closer to each other because the first love is calling you both to remember how much he loved you and giving that in you so you can love each other properly. Amen. 
from where you have fallen, when you realize that you can't obey the laws to lead your salvation, to be good enough, then you understand that it's only by grace, through faith, that you're saved. And when you realize that, you'll call upon the one who loved you first, and it'll bring you back to repentance, metanoia, changing your mind towards what God says about you, about what you're doing, about him. And do the first works. Now, this ain't talking about, you know, I, oh, I have to do this to earn God's favor. It's already given shown. I have to do this to earn God's love. Already given. I have to do this to make God happy. Listen. There's, what you have done one time in your life has pleased God so much. You never have to do anything else for him. But when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, remember they asked Jesus, hey, what's the work that I must do to be saved? And Jesus answered them and said, you must do the work of the Father and believe on the one whom he sent. Not works-based, faith-based. Believe what Jesus is going to do is going to be enough to pay for all your sins. And then... When you accept that, that love comes and dwells within you, that Holy Spirit dwells within you, it motivates you. That perfect love motivates you to bring glory and honor to his name and makes you want to tell others what you have received. Because they'll be like, man, something's different about you. What is it? <laughs> Glad you asked. Right? If you've never been asked that question, maybe you can receive the answer today. Listen, when the Holy, no matter what you're doing, no matter what kind of lifestyle you're living, that presence dwells within you, they'll see it. It'll cause you to, to, to worship with an intimacy. And I know everybody does that different, right? I grew up breakdancing. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> now I just break in the, dance in the breaks, right? But, but, but I, lo I love to dance. I, lo I love to, to move. And so I, I do that when I worship, okay? But... They will see the difference in you, and they'll want you to tell them what it is. Why? Because Jesus is walking in the midst of you. The seven golden lampstands causing you to repent, to change your mind about what you're doing, to go out and be the light of the world and do what you first did, okay, to feel how you first felt when you first got saved. And I'll share that experience some other time with you. Verse 6, but this is, you have... That you hate the deeds, the lifestyle of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So see, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. Overcomes. That is an awesome word. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. See, do you, see that's what returning to your first love is all about. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And that blood of the Lamb, when we are washed... Right? What has washed away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, I grew up singing those songs and never got saved. Not because the song wasn't true. But the world was so, so tasty. So, so appetizing. So it draws you. It's because I didn't, you know why the world does that? I didn't know what true love was. And if you don't know what true love is, 
you're willing to prostitute yourself to the world. But when you know what love is, they can't buy you. They can't buy you because you've already been bought. They can't tempt you because you know what real love is and you know that other stuff is, is it's fake. See, if I give you a $100 bill, you're like, yeah, but I give it to you and right away you look and you know it's fake. Counterfeit, a lie. You won't accept it. You'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. That word overcome, nike, in the Greek. How do you know how you spell it? N-I-K-E. So to help you remember, Nike. Now, Nike's crazy. They used labor and labor to make their shoes and a lot, do a lot of bad things to support all that, okay? All right, but they, when they started off, this is why they chose their symbol. This is why they chose their name, Nike. They just didn't think, oh, let's think of a name of a shoe. Nike sounds good. No, Nike means to overcome. It means to carry away the victory. So now you can draw that little symbol on your Skechers or you know, <laughs> your Adidas, whatever shoe that you may wear to help you remember that you have overcome because you belong to the overcomer, the overcomer, the Jesus who bought and paid for you, who now gives you everything for life and godliness, everything that you need to look at this world and say, no, I don't want to do it. To, to look at one another and say, you know what? I know you crazy, but I love you anyway. Right? And what I mean by that is, is, and I don't think I told this in the story, but I was head over heels in love with my wife first time I saw her. She took some convincing. Right? And I was like, I'm going to make you love me. I'm going to, you know, and she's like, good luck. Right? I was like, ah, you know, how can I make this girl love me? Right? And so I took all my resources and everything else, and I focused everything that I had. I'd send her gifts. I'd write her letters. I would call her. You know, our whole relationship, the first probably three years, she never called me. What? She was taught. That a woman should never call the guy. And I know parenting's a little different, but that's what she was taught. And so I, was, I would call, and she'd answer. I was like, oh, yeah, in the talk. And I'm like, can't wait till she called me back. A couple of days. I'm, hey, you're still answered. Are we going to go out this Friday? Yeah, okay. Yes! She's like, it's a free steak. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what God did with us he loved us so much he went to every length possible he focused all of his love towards you today and every day and he wants to do that for eternity for eternity and don't think when you think oh, you know that's a long time trust me you'll be there a thousand years and it'll feel like a second you're going to be so caught up. There's that song, as, as the worship team can just come up. There's a song 
out there, and I'm not putting pressure on you to sing the song, but I'm caught up in his presence. And I just want to sit her at his feet. Just, just being caught up. To be caught up in his love. Just to, just to sit there and experience everything that he wants to be for you, to you. And it's not just remembering what he has done. It's enjoying his presence right now. To, to let that experience deepen. To go from, man, I remember the day of my salvation. That was awesome. Yeah, to go from there. And man, I can think about the story I told you, and it's, it's great. I can picture our, our wedding day, and it was awesome, but I was still unsaved. Now, 20, almost 25 years later of being married, I remember the first love, but it's so much better now. And that's how God wants to be to you. If all you can remember was that one day of how excited you was, maybe you had tears running down your face, maybe you just repeated a prayer and you didn't know what changed, but you knew something had changed and, and you was excited there for a minute and you told everybody, hey, I got saved, David, I got saved, I got saved. And you went through the baptism, you got baptized, oh, I got baptized and all this. And then, and then a few months later, you're just going to church. The only thing that has changed there is what brought you to your first love. You have decided to leave a little bit. And, and maybe you only experience it when you come here to sit in these nice, comfortable chairs in the air condition with great music and an awesome-looking pastor, Nathan, right? That, that you think that you've experienced all of it that first day. He wants to get to know you. He wants to go on trips with you. He wants to eat with you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to go riding the motorcycles with you. He wants to go fishing with you. He wants to go hunting with you. He wants to go dancing with you. Me and my wife, we used to love to dance on our honeymoon. And I know, man, we could swing so good. We was out there swinging that everybody else just backed off and they got to the side and let us finish dancing. When we were done, they're like, yeah. They clap and we're like, yeah. <laughs> he wants to dance with you. If you could dance for the world, dance for Jesus. If you can do things, party for the world, party with Jesus. If you had the expression, oh, it's five o'clock somewhere, make that into it's Sunday morning somewhere. I mean, it's a lie. It's not always five o'clock somewhere. But it's the intent, it's the motivation of what you feel. In other words, every time is a good time to worship Jesus. And, it's just, and, and what does that look like, man? It doesn't have to be anything great. You could be by yourself, you know, in a car, maybe waiting on your wife to go shopping or, or you know, whatever. Just turn the radio down and just say, here I am, Lord. You can pray, but listen, just saying, here I am, Lord, and you'll just feel this. Everybody bow your head doing a Baptist thing here. Bow your head, close your eyes. We're not going to do an invitation or anything, but I, I, just, I just want you to say in your spirit, you can say it out loud if you want to, just say, here I am, Lord. 
Here I am, Lord. You feel that? You feel his presence just come, coming upon you? Here I am, Lord. Here I am. caught up in his presence. Let him, let the love come from the, from heaven straight down upon you, like anointing oil over your head and flowing over your body all the way down to the tip of your toes. Here I am, Lord. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether worthy of me. He loves you. As the prayer team comes up and as I close with worship, experience. first love like you never have by worshiping today.